We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott. The transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rides podcast. Got a great Friday show for you. We've got Brody Miller of the Athletic Podcast favorite to uh, break down a little bit of LSU, what they've been as a team, what's changed uh, in the last week or so after that win at Florida, their chances of winning this game, and the approval rating for Brian Kelly in year one. Got into a lot of stuff. Always enjoy chopping it up with Brody. And then we've got Fresh Cuts. LB's Greg and Skybox join us for our weekly picks, and that'll close us out the show and take us into the weekend. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, podcast brought to you by Ray Stevens, Square Real Estate. Ray is a licensed real estate agent based in Oxford who loves helping people find homes they can cherish. Whether you're looking for a two-bedroom condo or your five-bedroom dream home, whether you're buying or selling Ray can help you take the hassle out of the process. He provides individual service to all of each and every one of his clients. He listens to their needs and sets them up with homes that they will cherish. Maybe you're tired of spending overpriced hotel rooms, Airbnbs in Oxford. Maybe you want to finally spurge and get a place. Call Ray Stevens. He will help you find an affordable one that is a perfect fit for your needs. Maybe you're selling, trying to move from place to place. Who knows? He can also help you with that. A lot goes into the home buying and selling process. It can be complicated. Ray takes the complication out of that for you. So if you're looking to buy or sell a property anywhere in Oxford, give Ray Stevens a call. He will absolutely help you out. All you have to do is dial him at 601-624-4824. Tell him we sent you. Boom. He'll hook you up and you'll be well on your way to purchasing your next dream home that you will be sure to love. Check him out, Ray Stevens, 601-624-4824. The broker number is 662-832-7777. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry. Skybox went 9-4 and four in college football last week and a little salty 8-3 and three in the NFL to finish it up. They're hitting it over 60% on all their college football plays this year. Guess who's not doing that? You out there who keeps paying your bookie every week. Just go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Pick, find a picks package, whether it's NFL, college, all sports. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. I'd recommend just going with the year-long all-access pass. And boom, you're now more in line to profit than you were 10 minutes before signing up. They'll send you a nice little clean spreadsheet, color-coded, with all the different plays, the different units, and you can bet responsibly and profit. They're the only way to profit in the long run. 
and you will take you will flip the script and you will stop paying the bookie and the bookie will be giving you supplementary income. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here is Brody Miller. All right, we now welcome on podcast favorite LSU beat writer for The Athletic, Brody Miller. Um, I guess we'll get the combative part out of the way. Last time you oh, no. had a nice stash work and it is now gone. I didn't like it when the announcement was made. It doesn't appear it's gone back. You look sharp anyway, but uh, I was a fan of the mustache era. Yeah, man, I'm going to be a straight shooter. I was too. Uh, but, you know, so, I'll just be honest with you and your and our listeners. Uh, I messed up trimming and I had no choice but to shave it. And, um, and I, I'm not quick enough at growing it back to just like grow it back. I need to like have like a few weeks of buffer time. So I'm going to, I'm going to grow it back after the season's over, but yeah, no, I messed up trimming and I had to shave it. It was a, it was a rough L. I get it. That's acceptable. It takes some time to nurture it. That's an off season project. Some people have a garden. Some people grow facial hair. Well, exactly. I, I, yeah. I welcome the return of it. Uh, we talked a little bit in the uh, preseason kind of about this LSU team. I think it's probably gone pretty similar to what you thought it would maybe not necessarily look the same. Yeah. What uh it seems like they're playing better football. I guess we'll start there. Uh they get the win at Florida last week after kind of getting shellacked by Tennessee. What was the difference in the two weeks opponent aside? Yeah, it's been a really confusing team this year quite frankly because it's just week to week they and this is kind of I mean I think it's what we talked about so much in the summer, right? Is like we always thought this team was going to be pretty volatile because it's they're really talented at the top but they're thin in spots and it's a lot of new guys and transfers and just a lot of it's just kind of sporadic a little bit. And I think, you know, last week was what made the difference, quite frankly, was Jaden Daniels just played like an entirely different quarterback. And and what's so interesting about it, what might be sustainable, who knows, is like it's not like they did something inherently different. It was as simple as Brian Kelly's been trying to get Jaden Daniels to just be confident throwing just be aggressive throwing the ball to like, you know, one-on-ones, just trust your receivers to make a play quite frankly. And for six games, Jane Daniels managed games. He didn't turn the ball over, but like he just wasn't a guy would be open and he just wouldn't be confident enough to throw it to him. And, and that was really, and he was scared of making mistakes. That's why I took off running so quickly. And Saturday it was, I mean, this is, he just let it rip. It's just that simple. Like he just, it, LSU, LSU's receiver should be one of the one for, two best units in the sec they should and they haven't been because they haven't been used really and all of a sudden for one game he just said screw it anytime a guy's in a one-on-one i'm just heaving it and he throws a good football it's never been the problem and that's exactly what happened brian thomas malik neighbors Keshawn booty they just jumped over guys made plays and they passed for almost 400 yards and it's like that's what's going to make this week and the next five weeks so interesting is like if that is the Jane Daniels you get, which again, doesn't mean like he had to do something special. He just had confidence. This is actually a really good football team. Like that changes the entire outlook of this team. But if it's not, then yeah, Ole Miss is probably should be favored in this game. Yeah, that's the, I'm glad you brought that piece of it up because it's a weird thing to have to have a guy that wins a starting job like that to really lack confidence throwing the football down the field. I mean, he's still on the year only at like seven point something yards down the yeah. field and that was certainly evident i remember watching that opening night game labor day night 
And that was really kind of, I felt like the poster child of it, that 90, whatever yard drive they had to end the game was yeah. the craziest 90 something yard drive I've ever seen. Cause they only had like a minute and change. And I was like, how in the world, like when they had that last playoffs, yeah. like, how in the world did they get down the field? Like they didn't throw it down the field. He ran a couple of times. There's a lot of runs. Field, yeah. He's always done, but it just kind of, I was like, how in the world did they do this? Like, how is this? Like, did, was there a clock issue? It was kind of bizarre to watch, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, like, where do you think that comes from? I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like a usual thing to – I mean, look, Ole Miss dealt with the opposite with Dart a little bit. It was like, hey, let's not sling it into five people yeah. just running sideways, kind of a reckless yeah. abandon. Like, where do you think that comes from? Were they puzzled by it at all? It seems a guy lacking confidence who's more than a capable player wouldn't lack it to that degree. I, I do wonder, and, you know, he's never – Daniels hasn't said too much about it, but I almost wonder if like, Hey man, he's got three years of being kind of heavily scrutinized and he threw 10 picks last year. And it's like, you've been in the factory that long. I think it's a little bit of just like, so beaten down, criticized all the time that you end up like second guessing yourself. And also like, I wonder if it's a little bit of like, that's kind of Brian Kelly quarterbacks. A lot of the time are coached not to make mistakes and all that stuff. And like now he wants him to be aggressive, but I do wonder if that's all part of it too. And also it just might be who he is, you know, like he's, I, the term Kelly keeps using is paralysis by analysis. Like he just doesn't, he's smart. He just doesn't want to make the mistake and all that stuff. And he's just like, Hey, I could throw that or I could just take off running, which has obviously limited this team so much. And Kelly would also tell you there's a lot of context of like, okay, you know, like the Tennessee game, for example, every one of us were like, Jane Daniels did not play well. And I had so many offensive staffers being like, you don't like the O-line messed up on all these plays, the running backs, the receivers, and he was the only one even keeping it afloat. So it's tricky. I think it, it honestly reminds me of like, I don't even want to say it, but like it almost reminds me of the discourse around 2018 Burrow of like, yeah, everyone was like, he stinks. And it's like, you don't realize how much he's actually making this work, even though it's messy. Like, and I think there's a little bit of that with him, but it's tricky. Cause it's like Saturday, man, he just looked really good. And he was just heaving it all around. So it's like, is he suddenly just going to be confident all the time? Then it's a really good team. I don't know. You think it took a loss like Tennessee just to kind of say F it, like, whatever we'll throw it down the field like yeah. what i mean it can't get worse than that what happened last week like why not just th take some shots do you think that played into it at all to some extent yeah i think the week of the tennessee game so we before auburn kelly publicly says like i need him to be more aggressive it was like a clear call out he doesn't do it against auburn and it goes poorly then they have a players only meeting of like the offensive guys where it's like basically daniel's receivers being like just throw it to me and then I wonder if that was already about to be in place for the Tennessee game, if that makes sense, or maybe even more from the Tennessee game. But that Tennessee game is weird. Like they had two just horrible special teams errors. They're down 13, nothing in like six minutes. So it's like, maybe that game just was off the rails immediately. And that data got skewed, but like, yeah, it is weird. Cause it's been three weeks of buildup of like, be more aggressive, be more aggressive. And then one day he just said, Leroy Jenkins, like, let's go. And he just like thrived. So it's hard to say, and it's also why you don't want to be like he's going to do this every week because that's we have one data point so far saying he will. So I don't know. Why didn't he get pulled? I think at, it's at to, any point, not just a couple weeks. Yeah. Why didn't that happen? Well, I, th I think that goes back to what I to earlier of like they are they believe he's the one keeping it afloat, and I'd agree with that in a lot of those games. Like Florida State, he was the only offense they had. Uh, Mississippi State, he was the only offense they had. There are a lot of – that's what makes this year so exhausting is, like, there are a lot of games where he was the only thing keeping it working while everything else was a mess. And then there were the one or two games where it looked really bad to us, but the staff's like, no, trust me. is bad. Like, 
So I think the answer is trust. Like I think he's doing more than probably we see, even though it's ugly. And I think it's a little bit of Garrett Nussmeyer might be more talented, but they don't trust him yet. So I think it's a little bit of all that. And the last wrinkle in this that we can't leave out is like, even when the passing looks bad, his legs do keep them in games. His legs, like they've only been blown out of one game. Every other game they've been firmly in and like they've won five, they're five and one outside that blowout. So it's like hard to say it's not working because his legs are keeping them in game. It's, it's strange. What's the, uh, what's the health of the offensive line? I caught a piece of a Kelly presser. I don't remember what tweak it was, but it was at least two weeks ago. And he mentioned it was like the sixth offensive line yeah. combo already. I was like, Jesus, that that's not great. That's not what you want to see. Where are <laughs> they at now health wise and kind of just performance wise too? Yeah, no, they're close to healthy. So yeah, when he was saying that it was basically going into the Tennessee game, starting left tackle, that star true freshman, Will Campbell collapsed before the game and had to be hospitalized. So he missed that game and left guard Garrett Dellinger who's those are probably LSU's two best linemen quite frankly he went out mid-game for two and he's out for two weeks will likely miss this one as well as far as I know but it was like that that Tennessee game you really saw like oh my goodness like without those guys that line just got destroyed and Campbell came back for Florida and you saw the difference like they ran the ball well uh Daniels had time all day in the pocket and it's like so yeah, they've had, I believe, six, com- this will be like probably their sixth combination in eight games, like I believe. And that's obviously not good, but they're playing decent. It's not a great line, but we thought before the year it might have been a bad line. Like when they, they've really found something with those two true freshman offensive tackles, which as you know, is mind boggling, but Emory Jones and Campbell are both pluses right now on the line and the interior has been hit or miss, but yeah, it's, it's an average to above average line at this point point you know i think run blocking needs to improve the pass protection hasn't been bad so yeah i don't think Dellinger will be available but they're they're solid there it's more if like one more guy goes down they're screwed yeah i mean it, it and it speaks to what you're talking about kind of up until that florida game i mean daniels leads them as obviously clearly as a passer if there'd be a problem if that wasn't the case and as yeah. a runner like he is kind of their only source of offense they got the run game going last week do you think that piece of it is sustainable because you know Ole miss is coming off yeah. a game where Auburn hadn't run the ball against anybody because their offensive line is so bad. And Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter for the better part of that game, in addition to uh, Ole Miss not being able to contain um, Robbie Asher, they kind of just ran all over them. And, you know, if LSU is going to have the same level of success, Ole Miss is in big trouble because that's, I mean, they're basically facing a much better version of Auburn from that sort of offensive standpoint, if you want to pull it down to that. Do you think that is sustainable? Not even just this week. Like what would lead you to believe that, Hey, maybe they figured some stuff out there. You mentioned the Mm. health aspect of it. I'm just curious. Do you think they'll go to it more? And if that'll last? Yeah, it's a good question. It's like the, and the running running numbers are so skewed because Daniels makes it look better than they are. And you know, it's like, like it hasn't actually been a good run game this year. That's you're alluding to. Yeah. I think what they ran, I would guess, and I'm not confident on this, but I would guess they ran the ball better last week because they were throwing so well and they had, you know, they were able to open it up and, you know, get better numbers in the box. That would be my read on it, but it's tough. But also having Campbell back, I mean, like they had no running game against Tennessee because those two linemen were out and they just got beat up on the line. And with Campbell back, it did open things up. So, yeah, I think their run game is like perfectly serviceable. You know, like they're situationally, they're usually going to get their first downs in short yardage. They, you know, they're probably average somewhere in that four yard to carry range. Like they do their job. They're just not really getting that big play threat. Armani Goodwin should be back this week. Uh, really good, talented, explosive, big play guy who's been out for like three or four weeks. So I think him and John Emery and Josh Williams are a good trio. And it's it's tough because, I mean, like Ole Miss, that Ole Miss front has looked better than I thought it would be this year. I mean, they've I know they struggled last week, but they've done some good stuff. So it's like, 
I doubt they're going to run all over them. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's the strange part about this game is like, I mean, that really is kind of from my macro thought is like, I think Ole Miss is pretty good. I think they're probably yeah. better than LSU, but I honestly have no idea. They've shown yeah. points where I'm like, damn, this team could be pretty good. And other points is like, are they going seven and five? Like, I don't, it's, <laughs> and the schedule hasn't helped out at all. I mean, look, this is first, we're in the fourth Saturday of October when this game happens and Ole Miss hasn't played a real road game with respect to Georgia Tech yeah. and Vanderbilt. But hey, man, you can say that both ways. They had seven games to figure out who they are and then they go into their brutal stretch, you know? Exactly. And we are absolutely about to figure out who this Ole Miss team is. And that's what makes this game so fascinating Kayshawn Butte how how is that going obviously I mean look with you outlined earlier with their inability to throw the ball down the field up until last week there just hadn't been a ton of options a ton of opportunity or I guess not opportunity but just the fact he's not getting the ball how have they kind of kept him on board with things because I know there was a little bit of chatter after that first game. I'm sure most of it was just like social media bullshit, but like how have they kind of kept him on board? Because that's a really talented dude who, you know, in a perfect world would be getting the football a lot more. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, I mean, it was, it's been a thing all year until this past week that like he had 190 yards total through like six games. Yeah, it was, and it's, and it's tough because to your point, I don't, I don't think, Booty's played well those six games, but at the same time, like, like he's missed some plays. He's getting he's getting frustrated with routes, you know how that goes. But like a lot of it is just Jane Daniels wasn't conducive to like getting the most out of those receivers. And also, I wonder if there's an element of like when a guy isn't decisive as a quarterback and he's a running quarterback, we like you receivers never know when the ball's coming their way. And it felt like that a lot of just like when the ball would come, they'd be like, Oh, what the heck? You know, and I, I think that was part of everything going on. But to your actual question. I think Kelly's done a good job of being like really himself on the ground floor with Keyshawn and kind of like, like managing that, making sure he realizes like how you, it seems like there's been episodes of like how you handle this will actually help your draft stock. If that makes sense. Cause like, if you handle this poorly, it will hurt it. It seems like I've gathered that's a thing. And also like, I think part of his pitch to him has been, and Kelly said this in press conference last week is like the, the GMs will still know how talented he is. Like he will still get drafted high. He will still get his chances. So like he can't overreact to this. And and Saturday you saw the offense came to him and they he had a really great game. It was over 100 yards. Like really was an impact player. So I think Kelly's done a good job of kind of handling that man management part of it and keeping him engaged. Because like even and again we saw him complain so much those first few games. Right? He was upset. And then, like, you saw him games four, five, six, when they'd win, like, he'd get one catch, but he'd be, like, the number one guy celebrating. So I guess credit to him for kind of, I don't know, rallying around the situation, for lack of a better term. Yeah. What's what's the approval rating defensively through the halfway <laughs> point of the season? I mean, yeah. LSU has some talent. It's been a lot of transfer portal guys. We talked about, I think, in the preseason, their thinness at secondary, but if they can stay healthy, they're probably okay. How has that been so far this year, just from, like, a macro sense? Yeah, it's funny because five games into the year, you would have said this defense looked like one of the five, you know, three or four best in the SEC. Like it just looked really, really good. I mean, their game plan against Mississippi State was probably as like smartly as I've seen someone play State, where it's not just like the, the drop opposite eight. Opposite of Polini. <laughs> yeah, not well played. Yeah, yeah. But it was like not even just the drop eight thing. They were so good. Matt House is a really good DC. He was the guy at UK who got them their big year in seventeen. He's been the Chiefs the last four years. Like it was a really creative scheme of like conservative but then shock like confusing them with pressure every play where they never knew it was coming from and they just made life brutal for them and they play well against auburn and then all of a sudden any tennessee game's even weird too i'm, I'm giving you more detail than you asked for but like because that game that the defense played well for a half they like 
were constantly on their heels because the offense was terrible. Special teams were screwing them over every possession. And it was like, they still kind of kept them in that game for about a half. It was 20 to seven at halftime. Like, and again, I would say only seven of those points were actually like the offense going and scoring by Tennessee. So the defense has played really well. I'd say until the Florida game, which was just bizarre. They couldn't, their tackling has just been really iffy the last two games, arguably, you know, they're shaky. The run game again, which is going to be huge this week, as you know, it's like, it's not even like they're playing bad run defense. You know what I'm saying? We're like, they're, they're not like, there's no gaping hole or like, there's no like breakdown that often. It's just like guys just aren't making the tackle. And it's really strange to watch, but to answer your overall question, I think this week will answer it because it's like this defense looked amazing for five weeks. The pass rush is really great with Ojolari, gay, all those guys, the secondary is on far more, far better than I expected. And that true freshman five-star held Perkins at the linebacker is a game changer. So it's a pretty good defense, but I think this week will tell us because if they can contain an Ole Miss run game, you buy it. If they can't, then it's three straight games. They gave up 200 on the ground. So it's like, you know, I think we'll find a lot of answers now. And I'm fascinated to see how Kiffin and the staff attacked this game because last week they did, literally did nothing in the passing game after yeah. a couple weeks in a row where it looked like, all right, they're putting some pieces together. Malik Heath, Jonathan Mingo, finally healthy, putting it together. Last week, neither one of them registered a catch. I think something I had Ryan Buchanan on earlier this week and he was talking about how like, you know, some of the play calling from a passing concept standpoint was frustrating to him. But I also think that they knew going into that game they could run on Auburn whenever they wanted to, and that was just kind of it. Let's just get by it. But that also didn't do a ton to build up Jackson Dart's confidence, and he's going to need a hell of a lot of it to go into that environment. His first true road test as a 19-year-old, like he's going to need confidence uh, to the point where he can kind of, you know, dial it down and not, you know, lose the game for them. So I'm fascinated to see how Ole Miss attacks them from that standpoint. Let's hit special teams for a second. That's the in terms of drunk guy in the stands when things aren't going well. Fire the special teams coordinator might be the one seed, and I'm not sure who else. It really is, yeah. But, like, no one knows who it is. No one ever ever knows who the special. This team time is. they do because he's like the recruit. It's Brian Pullian. Yeah, so it's, exactly. It's, like this it's is the a- one time they know. I don't know if you were watching the Florida game, but it was like they had a. It had gotten so bad they had a full time camera on Brian Pullian. Like ESPN <laughs> knew to follow him, and they muffed the open. Uh, they screw I think they muffed the opening kick punch or something and it was just like they they were tracking him the whole time because it's like that bad sorry continue no no that's what exactly what I was gonna ask this is like the one like moment where you know exactly who it is I get he's the recruiting guy so like you probably I probably answer my own question here but like has he been burned at the stake did they throw him (laughs) into the tiger cage like what's what's the deal with that look there's teams that don't have kickers the punters suck but just the collective effort that LSU has struggled on special teams is almost strange. Like, what, what's it's going on there? How much is that talked about? Yeah. Especially because specialty, like, LSU's been top 25 in special teams, like, every one of the last five years. And it's, so it's like, you can't even be like, ah, you know, they're rebuilding. It's like, no, that was the one thing that was going yeah. well. It's bizarre. It's like, but the harder thing to wrap your head around is some of it is like, and I'm not defending Brian Pulling because it's it just every... fumbles and stuff. Like, yeah, right. It's like, like how do you coach the, that? Yeah, it's like the guy you trust most. Malik Neighbors, maybe their most trusted receiver, buffs two in the Florida State game. Then they go to Jack Besh. Again, their other like one of their team leaders, most trusted guy. The he's the possession receiver, muffs two of them. It's like what's happening here? You, it's hard to really like be like. But still, yeah, we're at seven games, and I think six of them have had at least like one or two, like multiple just mind-boggling special teams errors and it is weird i think some of it is probably maybe personnel maybe that's like one theory is that like that's where you're seeing the depth issues you know where it's like that's you know we talk about the depth but like special teams is a depth area and and also yeah i think it's some of it is scheme you know like they are out 
kick out punting the coverage and setting up a 30 yard run, stuff like that. And with Polian, it's, it's tough. Cause he's Kelly's guy. You know, he is like just inside baseball. Like he is Kelly's number two around that building. He's like that top Lieutenant that kind of like, you know, almost as like the liaison to the other staff and players, you know, he, he, he's like the general manager, quite frankly. And I would be really surprised if Brian Pullian was just like fired. Uh, and, you know, five years ago, I'd say like, yeah, it's like, you can just like reassign him. He makes like $700,000, $650,000 a year. But I kind of think we are in an era now where like teams actually say, screw it. And they, yes. they would, they would, they would pay that for a guy to be an off the field general manager. Like they actually would. So I hate talking about like, should a coach get fired? But it's like, that isn't that crazy to me to think. So maybe they do just reassign him. I don't know. What is Kelly's approval rating so far? Because, you know, we talked about kind of the misnomer about how he's not a cultural fit. He seems to be pretty pleasant at the press conferences. Like what, you know, they're sitting here five and two or whatever they are, four and two. What is the uh, kind of approval rating on him so far? Just his job he's done, what people like, don't like. Because you can go four and two and be like, all right, this guy's building it, it's fine. And you can also be four and two, like what the hell's going on here? I think it's probably towards the former side. But just what have pit, like fans' temperature, the fan base thought of how Kelly's performed so far and just kind of their comfortability of him as the head coach? Yeah, it's tough because so much of this year was just built in. Like this is kind of the transition year and all that. And it's like – so it's like say they go seven and five like that's not drastically changing much but it is about the how to your point like it's how are you getting to seven and five how are you getting the nine and three whatever and i'd say there's frust the frustrations probably with like people questioning the hires right now i think there's a lot of brian polian like what's that about uh there's been frustration with mike dembrock an offensive coordinator you know kind of people thinking it's kind of an outdated offense that doesn't really seem like it's flowing well things like that so i think there's a lot of questions about that stuff like how modernized is brian kelly all that but in terms of like him running the program there's actually a ton of optimism because like shoot the you know they've been like the, the comeback kids this year right i think they have like three different comebacks of like 14 to 20 points this year and like people keep pointing to like they are just better conditioned in second halves that's that's a kelly thing you see like the accountability stuff all those buzzwords and you see like they are five and two you know and they have some nice wins so i think most people are like they trust the direction brian kelly has and recruiting classes looking good all that and i think people won't like really judge him until next year but so far i think they like him yeah, and that's the, I mean, I was watching that Florida game on Saturday night. My girlfriend's dad's a big LSU guy, so that was yeah. getting TV number one action, uh, no, <laughs> no doubt. And, like, I just looked at both sidelines, and I'm like, you know, I think both of these guys are going to be pretty good. I mean, I know there's the weird storyline. They're always going to be linked to each other. But I was like, nothing could happen in this game that would make me think more or less of the other guy on the other sideline. This year just kind of yeah. is what it is. I, exactly. I don't know. It's impossible to judge Brian Kelly without just being a clown in a year one, right? Like this, what he does from here, what does he do after this? And I think yeah. it's a little bit of the same thing with Napier, Absolutely. but it's a weird dynamic because, you know, and really you don't even judge either to like year three, like, you know, like yeah, exactly. because they're both literally rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's weird. Cause like patience isn't really a thing, but there does seem <laughs> to be a sense, at least from what I've read, just from like LSU people, whether media or just like fan bases, like, all right, this, like, as you just alluded to this year, just kind of is what it is. Don't take, like, don't take it. You know, they're not going to go four and eight. That would be mathematically yeah, impossible exactly. at this point, yeah. but like, <laughs> you know, just, it is what it is. Get through it. And then kind of where you go from there. Is the same thing with Napier, right? Yeah. Is that accepted? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Again, it's like to our, to our whole point here, it's like the, how you get there. Right. It's like, and I think it's the same with Napier too, of like, 
Napier's not going to have a good year, but I think people are coming out of it like he's gotten the right direction by how they beat Utah and how they were really tough against Tennessee. And it's like, all right, he's clearly got that team playing harder. He's clearly got like, and I think with Kelly, it is a lot of that. Like you see, and I think one thing I'd point out that there's like an optimism of right now is it feels like you're watching a coach who like so foreign and LSU sadly is like when you see a problem one week, they kind of gets fixed, yeah. you know, and that's, that's coaching. And that's something you didn't always see with Ogeron and the offensive staffs the last few years. And it's just like in the defensive staffs, uh, it's like, okay, you know, uh, Jane Daniels is the problem. All right, look, he just got better each week or, Hey, this is going on with the run game. O-line fix that the next week, you know, and that's, that's something that I think is promising, but yeah, to your point. Yeah. I think it's more just like showing it's headed in the right direction is all that really matters and five games to go. So they could easily go like one and four and be screwed and people would be mad. But as of now, I think it does. People feel like it's headed in the right direction. How big was last week for that, too? Because they did get the win against Mississippi State, but I left that game thinking, like, how in God's name did Mississippi State lose that game? It was one of those things, like, better team <laughs> loss type of thing. Last week felt like a validation in a lot of senses. They went and got a road win in a tough environment against a plucky Florida squad where they look like the better team for four quarters. Like, was that exactly, kind of the yeah. first sense of validation of, okay, this is trending okay? No, I think it's a good point. Yeah, I think you're right. They're like it was the first time for four quarters. That, I mean, literally the first time in a first quarter they've gone out score like started scoring. Like that has not happened. They've been like I think they're averaging like six points a first quarter. It was or like no six points like a first half. It was wild. Not so great. for the yeah, and and even like the fact that I know they gave up thirty five or whatever, and like the defense didn't have a great game, but like. It was 40, you know, like context. And when it mattered, they were, they played well. It was 42 21. And then, yeah, like, and that's not good. Got to fix that. But like, they were in control. So even the defense didn't play terrible in the crunch time spots. So, yeah, no, I think you're right. And like, there's an element of you just got your ass kicked by Tennessee. Things look bleak. And then to go on the road against the big rival, the Napier stuff's lurking, and you just go and dominate. Yeah, I think that really was like a, again, like someone asked me, was it the biggest win? It's like, Mississippi State's the biggest win because Mississippi State's the best team. But in terms of like the weight it carries, you're absolutely right. I think that was the biggest one because it just gave you optimism that like they can get up for a big moment. They can rebound from a bad week and all that. So I'm with you. For Ole Miss, this is such an interesting week because they're 7-0. and There's only five games left. You look around the SEC West outside of Alabama, it's it's been a tricky conversation to try to navigate. I, I like made a pact. I wouldn't do it until after the Kentucky <laughs> game at least. Auburn game at worst. But, like, can the team win the West? And, like, I, I don't even know how good they are, right? That, that 2015 yeah. on this team was way better than this team. But, like, LSU, top 25 program, that was a hellscape they walked into that night in Death Valley and then had to turn around and go play a top four Auburn team the next week. Oh, yeah. That's not what this team has facing it in the second half. And so, like, I don't know how good they are, but, like, the table is just very uniquely set to, you know, check a box against this week if you can go down and win in a tough environment somehow handle A&M, split Arkansas and LSU, and then what the hell happens after that? You get the egg bowl at home. It's a very weird setup. To flip it on the other side, though, what would this win mean for LSU? I mean, I get from a mathematical sense they controlled their own destiny, but, like, the, what? I don't think many people think LSU is going to contend for the West. Yeah. Ole Miss is more a product of their record. What What would this do if they won? Like, what? what how big would this be? I think it would just change the framing, right, of the year. Like, four and two or four and one doesn't mean much five and two even like what they are right now is like doesn't yet mean much and it's like if you win this after that performance against florida six and two looks like something right like i think if lsu wins this game because they're not in the top 25 nor should they be but it's one of those things where like if you win this 
then all the other wins like look differently. You know how that works sometimes? And it's and like nine and three seems on the table pretty yeah. easily, but right there. Exactly. So it's like, if you win this, you're six and two, you actually, you'd probably jump to like number 15 in the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause now everything seems more validated and this would be a signifying thing. And it would like mean like, even if they lose out in the SEC games to your point, it's like, just suddenly the Brian Kelly thing would just seem very real and and just like he has them going the right direction. So you're right. They're not like the SEC West stuff. Like even Kelly got a question on Monday about it and kind of just like downplayed it. Like that's not really what he's measuring this year by. So yeah, I just think it would change the framing of this season of just like, okay, wow. They're actually like, like right now I look at this team and think, yeah, they're pretty below average. And it's like, if they win this, it's like, oh, they're actually really good. And I yeah. think that's the the dumbest but simple answer to it. How do they win this game? What's the blueprint? I think it's probably two things, right? I think it's like, can they contain this Ole Miss run game? Because their run game is like one of the three best like specific units in college football, right? Like they just, it's an elite run game. And I just wonder, because LSU's run game the last two weeks has been pretty weirdly poor. You know, it's like over 200 yards each of the last two weeks. But I can't tell if that's the reality or if that's the outlier. And like those tackling issues were kind of weird, but like, if it happens three times, that is just what you are. So I think the run game is everything because you could argue LSU is also the first team Ole Miss will face that like has those NFL oh, bodies. Yeah. yeah, like Kentucky's defense should not be poo-pooed, of course. That's a great defense. But like the first one that has like first round picks at D-tackle, D-end, linebacker, you know, and that will tell us a lot. Like we'll see, like can they really match up? So I think that's number one because you'd assume the key to this game is making Jackson Dart beat. Like Jackson Dart, how does he not handle been... that moment? Like he, yeah, you know, he hasn't I, been asked to. Does he do yeah. the reckless stuff? Like does does he handle it well? Like that's the ultimate question. That, that I'd better against it. You know, nineteen year old kid never been in that environment. That's really exactly. what it comes yeah. down to. And it, yeah, it's like it's like I hate that I'm always like downplaying Ole Miss, but it's more like I don't know. He's like I'm not going to bet on a team that literally I've never seen their quarterback have to win them a game yet, and like hasn't looked particularly great this year. So. The goal, ha- and, I, and I know, like, you correct me if I'm wrong, so much of what Ole Miss does is, like, if you try to stop the run, now you're in one-on-ones on the outside, and, like, LSU's corners aren't that great. So, like, I don't know who wins that matchup, but I'm, I my guess would be LSU's goal is to load that box up a bit more and make Dart beat them, I would think. And on the other side, it's just, like, I'm not that you expect Jane Daniels to throw for 350 yards again, but is that version of Jane Daniels there again? Because it's, like, if you get confident, aggressive Jane Daniels, well, shoot, LSU should be like a five-point favorite. Like, right. if that version of the offense, that's a top 15 football team. But, like, you don't know that's him at all. So, I think those are the two things I look at is, like, can you stop the run and which Jane Daniels do you get? Right, and Ole Miss didn't get a ton of, like, I mean, look, they're seven in the polls. That's built on a preseason thing, seven in a record. And they've done their like job. People, they've earned it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, like, people who prognosticate this stuff, I don't think anyone believes they're a top seven team, which, you know, f- rightly so. I have no idea if this team's a top 20 team. I, if they're top <laughs> yeah. six, it wouldn't shock me as much as if they're top, like, 40. I, I really have no idea. And I think you'll find that out a ton this week. You talked about the different framing. If Ole Miss goes down there and win this game, then people are like, all right, maybe this team's actually yeah. pretty good. It doesn't look pretty all the time. But, damn, they run the ball well and, for most part, play pretty decent defense it's a fascinating game uh it's weird to get this late in the year and not know a hell of a lot about a team like old miss but <laughs> I, I, I guess know, it's pretty rare of, like this yeah is 
that's here we sit. And then the last thing I'll get to is like the environment. I'd look, I, I thought it was hilarious. TV, now people are like, oh, this game coming out of game day, that rates well. Let's throw good games after that. People don't like the 11 o'clock. LSU particularly does not like the 11 o'clock. Are these nope. people coming to terms with the reality of what this is going to be? Or is it going to be a crime against humanity for five years running if they ever have to play a game when the sun's up? It will always be a crime against humanity, okay. <laughs> unfortunately. And I'm always going to be F the one who has to like deal with it. It's bad. But no, I mean, it's going to be interesting, man, because I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, I, I'm I, on the record that I think like Tiger Stadium, when it's going, it's the best environment in sports. Oh, it's like number one in any sport I've ever been to. And I've been to the, you know, I've been to the Dean Dome. I've been to, uh, sorry, uh, Cameron. Like, I, I've been to Assembly Hall. Like, but I think it's number one. But this year, man, the crowds have just been weird. And maybe it's an apathy year one, transition year, all that stuff. A lot of it has been the timing of games. But, like, the Mississippi State game was a night game. That was a big game. Maybe it's because they just lost to Florida State. But, like, that crowd was not very good. It wasn't full. And then Tennessee, that's a – I mean, it was 11 a.m., as you know, and that was the whole storyline. But, like, that was a huge game. It was top 25 game in Tiger Stadium. And – Tennessee packed that place like it was it was plenty of empty seats it was a problem so it's like a week and this is another day game it's 2 30 and I know 2 30 means it's the big game but still I really like you need to see the Ole Miss I mean LSU kind of get going again and Ole Miss would be a reason to do it but I wonder if it's not going to be that holy crap you're screwed environment this week just because like it is during the day and this crowd has not proven itself this year and it's going to matter a ton I mean that people like kind of scoff at that sometimes it's going to matter a huge bit I mean it matters. A veteran yeah. quarterback down there in 14 and in the last nine minutes of that game he had a meltdown he was yelling at people in the stands like that <laughs> that, that, that LSU t- like environment is going to play a huge role if they can get it with this right. young quarterback and this unproven team and I'm curious to see what that looks like um, last thing I'll get to, we got to do the Brody Miller check-in. Are you bored? This is a normal team with a competent coach. There doesn't Whoa. appear any scandals. Are you bored or are you just melancholy? Like what, what's going on here? Like, That's a really good point. It's just a normal football season where you're like talking about the quarterback. Yeah. yeah how's that wow. Going? This is, I've been baking for this for five seasons. <laughs> like this is even my one year in Mississippi was kind of chaos, right? Yeah. Like it was that six years. Like, I, cause I think freeze got freeze resigned the week before I got to the Clarion ledger. And then, uh dan mullen left for tennessee and then the canazaro stuff happened like yeah man like so i don't know what to do it's been really nice just being like going to press conferences and just being like hey tell me about the secondary yeah it's wild so i think i'm happy i think this is what i've always wanted i'm a midwestern man who just wanted its normalcy yeah he's peaking on this podcast he is brody miller i really appreciate the time as always my man and uh have fun saturday we'll uh, hope to see you soon ah good to see you buddy that was Birdie Miller. Appreciate his time as always. Thought he provided some great insight on LSU and what is going to be a fascinating test case for Ole Miss this weekend. That is for sure. Before we get to uh, Greg and Skybox Sports Picks for Fresh Cuts, I remind you LB's University Avenue in Oxford is the best butcher shop in the world. If you subscribe to Rippy Rights, that's rippyrights.substack.com. You'll get a Friday newsletter from me shortly, plus discounted meats. It's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage right now. Just go show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you hooked up. Then go find all your own favorites. Greg needs no introduction. He sells himself. Here he is telling you what's going on at the store, plus our picks. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. It is another edition of Fresh Cuts. It's a late October edition of Fresh Cuts. It's crazy how this... uh how this all flies by. We're over halfway point in the college football season. We are getting that way in the NFL season. I guess what we got week seven, week eight this week, whatever it is, flies by. We got LB's Greg on the other end of the line. How are we doing, my man? As always good. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, and I guess uh, college football uh, flies with it. So 
but yeah, it's it's been a good season and uh, uh, make ready for the home stretch. I uh, I will concur with that segment wholeheartedly. I've had a ton of fun this season. I, I mean, look, obviously it's better for you know business and everything when Ole Miss is good, but I don't know what it's been. It, I just have very much enjoyed the college football season so far, despite there not being a ton of, to analyze about Ole Miss the first you know five weeks or so, as the schedule didn't necessarily allow for it. But just there's been a bunch of good games, and I don't know. I've just gotten to watch a ton more football this year, and I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. The Rebels coming off a win over. Auburn last weekend a lot of people in Oxford um they sold out another 11 a.m game how did uh how was the week at the store was uh I imagine it was pretty busy I saw some LBs being consumed uh on the edge of the grove one of those uh little loopholes where you put the grill outside the grove um how's uh how was the week at the store yeah the weekend was great you know I wish it was always like that but uh you know football season is always a good time to be in Oxford and uh yeah we had a good weekend and uh Going to take a couple weeks off and then, uh, man, just get ready for this Alabama weekend. If uh, somehow, some way the Rebs can, I don't know, man, run the, run the table and uh, win these next two games, this Alabama weekend should be really awkward and uh, ridiculously fun. Yeah, that uh, that that has potential to be an absolutely insane, insane weekend um, there in Oxford here in a couple of weeks. We'll see how the Rebels do the next couple of weeks and kind of getting by and leading up to that because they'll have a bye week mixed in as well. Uh, last weekend, I uh, after the game, we hung out in the Grove for a little bit. Then I went back to MC's parents' condo. And uh, you being just the absolute man of the people hero, as uh, as you always are, uh, my girlfriend's dad had a just a cooler full of LBs and started throwing stuff on the grill. And it was absolutely delicious, made for an incredible Saturday night. So I appreciate that as always. We had – I think three or four different kinds of burgers that I couldn't exactly tell. It was already cooked when that happened, but we had a filet burger, a couple other ones, some incredible sausage. It made for an absolutely incredible Saturday night. Although you uh, you killed my nightcap. I ate the I ate a ton of sausage. I ate a burger and a half, and I was like, MC is like, are we going back out to the square? And I was like, I'm not moving. Like this is it. Yeah. I'm in a coma. So it's, yeah. it's absolutely delicious. You probably uh, you, it sounds like you got the meat sweats. Oh, yeah, I did. And it was an incredible problem to have because I was watching LSU, Florida. Uh, MC's dad's a big LSU guy. And then Kentucky, Mississippi State is warm in there. Nice little TV setup. I was like, I'm probably not going to go pay 80 bucks to go stand at the library. I'm perfectly content with that. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. like I said, I had a couple friends in town. And, uh, you know, it's uh, when you live in Oxford, uh, everybody's like, hey, are you going out? And I'm like, hmm. No, no, I mean, uh, I mean, I'd pr- prefer not to, but no, I, I end up getting dr- drug out after uh, after work on Saturday, and uh, definitely don't miss it. You know, I, uh, it's a it's a lot going on in Oxford whenever there's a football, and especially when the team's undefeated. So there was a ton of people on the square last weekend. Yes, yes, there were, but uh, we uh, we made alternate plans uh, fueled by LB, so I appreciate that as always. It was absolutely terrific. I'd encourage anyone listening to go by. If you're in Oxford this weekend, stop by LB's and do the same thing I did last weekend. Throw some stuff on the grill and just get into a food coma because uh, you will thank me later. It was absolutely terrific. Looking at the uh, looking at the picks from last week, we uh, – we went five and four, and Skybox went six and three. So the nerds clipped us, but everybody had an above 500 week. We can all just pat each other on the back. And then you got me in the NFL, too. You went six and six. I went a nice five and seven. Uh, six and six, particularly for the week it was last week in the NFL, is pretty good. Remember, n- neither one of us used any locks on the NFL because we hated all of the lines. So all things considered, it could have been a ton worse. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, but, you know, like I said, these lines get kind of fishy, and uh, there's some fishy matchups and uh, fishy lines to go with it. So we just uh, roll with it and uh, bet every game and have fun with it. It was a lot of road favorites. It was a lot of like Arizona minus two at Seattle. And it was just, I, I just, I didn't love any of it. I mean, I was looking at it again on Sunday morning and I was like, I hate all of these, but uh, we survived it. Uh, we survived it. Okay. As always, uh, Skybox picks, sports picks will roll with us through the college games. They will not with the NFL because, you know, they need to make money and turn a profit on those. Uh, six and three last week. Skybox is hitting. Uh, at over 60% in college football. They went nine and four in college football last week. Good for plus five units and eight and three in the NFL. That's getting it done. You need to sign up for Skybox Sports Picks right now. They will lead you to profit more consistently than your own brain. I can guarantee you that. And that's why they clipped us by a game last week. Got some good ones to get to this week, though. Um, a little bit of a lighter slate in terms of the games that I picked, uh, but that's okay. They're all, uh, I think they're all pretty interesting ones. Let's uh let's go to the ACC to start. We're going to go Clemson Syracuse. This game is in Clemson. Syracuse undefeated record. Their strength of schedule is in the high 100s, kind of like Ole Miss. It's one of those things they haven't played anybody. I think Ole Miss has probably passed the eye test a little bit more than Syracuse has. This is an 11 a.m. ABC kick in Clemson and it is the Clemson Tigers getting 13 and a half against Syracuse. Do you know who uh the quarterback for Syracuse is? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Uh, no, I don't. Um, isn't Dino Babers still there? He is the coach. They got a good running back. The quarterback is Garrett Schrader. Remember the bearded fellow? From oh Mr. yeah, the uh, from Mr. State. Mr. Yeah, State. the guy. The guy went flying. Uh, that that one loss against Kansas State where he tried to get the first down and literally went twenty feet in the air. I always enjoyed watching him play football. Um, but yeah, he transferred to Syracuse a couple years ago, and I guess still has eligibility. This COVID thing is leading to more and more Perry Ellis's. Some people will get that reference, where it's just like, he's still around, and Garrett Schrader's certainly one of them. So, first big test for Syracuse. I don't know which way to go with this one, because like I would want to say Hammer Clemson, but I think Syracuse is actually kind of good. They got a good running back. They got an older veteran quarterback, like that kind of thing that makes me think they're going to hang around in this game. I'm going to go Clemson minus 13 and a half. I'm just going to trust that Clemson defense and the fact that Syracuse is not beating anybody. Yeah, I'm going to go Syracuse. I, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, I guess, maybe the year of the underdog. Uh, so let's let's go year of the underdog uh, pick and let's go with Syracuse. They did beat a top 15 team in NC State last week, 24 to 9. Now, before that, their wins were Wagner, Virginia, Purdue, UConn and Louisville. That's actually not as bad as I originally remembered. You know, Virginia gets a win at Georgia Tech last night, backup quarterback situation. Um, but, I mean, clearly NC State speaks for itself. And getting a win over Louisville, they house Louisville week one. I forgot about that one. So, maybe I'm not changing my pick. That's cheating. So, we're going to go uh, – I'll stick with Clemson. Skybox is with you. Skybox is on Syracuse as well. That'll be a good one to get the uh, get the old day started there. Let's go back to the SEC for our uh, next round of picks, we're going to go – let's just go straight to the night game. We're going to go Alabama-Mississippi State. There's a stat floating around last week. You know, Nick Saban has like 12 losses or something in the, you know, the time he's been at Alabama and like six, five or six of them the next week they played Mississippi State. That's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Uh, it is Alabama minus 21. I'll go first on this one again. I'll lead us off. I got to say, I get it. Alabama after a loss, hammer them, hammer them. They're going to be out for blood, blah, blah, blah. I am just not 100% positive this Alabama team is as potent as we think it is. Um, offensive line, I would say average at best. Receivers, uh, Bryce Young played really well, I thought, last week against Tennessee, but the receivers just aren't that, you know, get how the hell did he get open 40 yards downfield, first-round high draft pick type situation. And the defense looked really bad. Now, the flip side of this coin is Mississippi State has had no success uh, against Alabama, uh, particularly with Mike Leach in the air raid. I saw something where Mississippi State has not scored a touchdown in Tuscaloosa since that 2014 game when Darunya Wilson scored the late touchdown to cut it to five points when Dak Prescott and them went over there undefeated. That's the last touchdown Ooh. they've scored in Tuscaloosa. Wow. I, that, that is um, – we'll, uh, we'll have to give a stake to the, uh, the the production team on that stat. That's uh, That's pretty solid. Yeah, that is, uh, that is solid. It is not solid for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So – I'm going to go state here. I have not picked state. I don't think in any game all year, it's cost me more than it has uh, helped me profit in terms of these picks. But I think 21 and a half is a lot of points. And I think state's pretty good when they kind of get rolling. I think Alabama will probably have a pretty good game plan, but I, for some reason, I just think this is too many points. So I, I'm going to go Mississippi state plus the 21 and a half here. No, I'm going to take the Alabama and drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, take the, oh, uh, what do, do we know what the, uh, against the spread is after an Alabama loss um, by any chance? I don't probably know that good. off the top of my head. I bet I could find it though. It's um, probably pretty, it's probably pretty decent. I, I just, oh, then it's um, not bad. Yeah. 
I, you know, uh, didn't didn't they lose one of the wide receivers because he hit hit a girl on the field or something like that? Yeah, that wasn't a great situation. Tremaine Burton just uh, gave a girl who was running down onto the field just a nice uh, nice little smack. So that's yeah. a, you know that's not. I mean, you know, and that's a tough tough situation because I mean that I mean I'm not trying to you know um, validate him doing that, but you know, like fans after a game, you know, I get being excited and rushing the field, but. That situation never happens if, you know, fans are on the field, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, I feel bad for it because, you know, that, that doesn't need to happen ever. Um, but uh, with that being said, I, I think just think Alabama rolls them up. I, 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 you know, every every all the all the um, all the car keys got taken, you know, no, all the privileges of being an Alabama football fan, um, uh, player got probably taken. Uh, Monday morning, but you know they'll get it back. Uh, so I, I say they roll them. I don't. I, I just. I, I just like Alabama. I think they'll roll them. I do think the players are put in a tough spot when you know they're the opposing team. The other team's rushing the field. I'm not necessarily advocating against field storming. The one thing that stuck out to me about that video is he's walking by. That girl's walking a good three to four feet to his left and just running by. And that dude stuck his hand out and hit her. I was like, dude, come on. Yeah. Like, you're just, I get it. He's frustrated. He's probably pushed through like six or seven people when he got to that point. But if you're right by the tunnel, well, one, obviously the whole, you know, don't hit women. That's yeah. never great. But like, the, the, but even beyond that, like it wasn't like she ran into him. You know what I mean? Like she was just running by and he just stuck his arm out and like caught her. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, did you see the video of the referees trying to get off the field whenever the yeah? Now, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a tough situation out there. I, I wholeheartedly agree. But like, one, it, you know, he hit a girl, and then two, it's just like she was like running like five feet by. It's like, dude, what what are you doing? It's almost yeah. like you wanted. That, I said bad look, but I mean, like I said, it's tough because I mean, you know, it's just. Uh, you just got done playing a you know a huge game and uh, man I don't know it just that's a it's a bad look and I you know just feel bad for both both things because it just might have been a wrong place wrong time but you know he knows better and you just you know swallow your pride and walk to the uh, locker room and you know le- release your frustrations on something else instead of you know just an innocent person just trying to enjoy the moment. I uh, can't imagine he's going to play this week. Skybox is on Alabama as well, so I am the lone person fading the Mississippi State Bulldogs, as has been the theme in all games we picked so far. You and Skybox have been on the same side, and I am, uh, I'm going off the uh, going off in the other direction. Uh, let's go to the Pac-12 for the next one. This is uh, this is going to be a good game. Is the Pac-12 back? They've produced some pretty good football this year. Look, I don't think you know. I think they're probably going to eat each other and probably get squeezed out of the playoff. But they have three or four pretty good teams this year. Whereas it's felt like for the last three to four years, anytime a Pac-12 game is on, unless you've just tried to, you know, trying to crawl out of a hole late night, there's really no reason to watch. But uh, we've got Oregon and UCLA, you know, a week after we get UCLA, Utah, and, uh, excuse me, USC, Utah, got UCLA, Utah a couple weeks for that. There's just been some good Pac-12 football this year, um, which I think is good for the sport, whether people want to admit that or not. Anyway, point being, it is in Oregon, it is in uh, Eugene, and it is UCLA, plus six, or excuse me, Oregon minus six would be the, the, the proper way to say that. So is Oregon minus six. Where are you going here? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. And like you were saying, the Pac-10 sneaky, sneaky fun. And, uh, man, it would just be nice to have a, a, uh, an extended playoff to where, you know, a, an extra Pac-10 team and a big, you know, something like that. Because I think that there's, you know, teams that have one to two losses that can win the national championship and can get hot in the playoffs. So, I like UCLA here. I just think it's going to be a field goal game. I mean, I know Oregon stuff at home, but I think it's going to be a good game, and I'll just take the points here. 
I'm uh, I'm going to go with you on that one. You know, I, I was not a believer in Chip Kelly, not a believer in UCLA, uh, despite them being undefeated headed in that Utah game. I was like, I watched that a lot of that South Alabama game with my own eyes. I think they played like Alabama State or someone after that. And I just wasn't really buying into it. But then they handled uh, Utah with relative ease. So I'm fully on it. DTR is a very exciting quarterback to watch. I think they kind of got it going on. And uh, Oregon's been really good at home. But uh, it came down to me. Uh, I don't trust Bo Nix uh, in any sort of game of consequence. So I'm going to take the points here and go with the UCLA Bruins as well. And Skybox is with us. So we're all three on the Bruins here. They uh, they like UCLA too. So that'll be a good one. Mid-afternoon, I think that's like the 2.30 ABC kickoff. That'll be uh, good stuff. Not that any of us will be paying much attention to that with the uh, you know task at hand with Ole Miss. Um, let's keep it moving here. We're going to go stay in the SEC. We're going to go South Carolina Texas A&M. Texas A&M coming off a bye two weeks ago, last time they played. They played pretty well at Alabama. I would say acquitted themselves quite well. Almost won the football game, even though I think we talked about this last week. They got three yards away, and in my mind as I'm watching it, I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Like, there's just no way. But hell, a better play call, and they knock off Alabama, and then who knows what the conversation is today. With that said, it is South Carolina is getting three and a half at home. So it's Texas A&M as a minus three and a half road favorite in Columbia, I'll lead us off here. I, I'm I'm going against everything in my brain here, and I'm going to take South Carolina here. I think Texas A&M is more talented. I think they have a better defense. Um, but I, something about the Shane Beamer thing, uh, people think it's a shtick. I kind of like it. Maybe I'm just naive and haven't caught up enough with the whole Shane Beamer thing. But those guys played really, really hard, and they kind of punked Kentucky. And I know Kentucky had a backup quarterback. But they 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 really just were much better coached in that game. And so I think I'm going to go South Carolina here. This just feels like a game that Jimbo kind of pees down his leg. So I, I'm going to take the points here and go South Carolina, despite uh, everything else telling me not to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of want to agree with you. I love the, you know, the how South Carolina plays. It's just, um, you know, it's nothing special. It just gets done and taken care of. So with that being said, who, who knows with the uh, – with this game, but I'm going to go with uh, with you on South Carolina. I think the, you know, the home dog and uh, maybe Spencer Rattler's kind of turned it around or, you know, that was a big game at Kentucky that they won. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll go with you on South Carolina. Skybox is on South Carolina as well, which actually surprised me. It clearly makes me feel a bit better about it, but uh, I figured this was one of the kind of my one just out outlandishly dumb pick of the week, but they're on South Carolina as well. So uh, take that for what it is worth. Let's keep it in the SEC one more time. Vandy, Mizzou, the game everyone's been waiting for. We've been waiting all season for a matchup like this. I actually don't even know where this game is. Oh, Columbia. So it's in it's in Missouri. Um, it is Missouri minus 15. That has dropped to 14, according to Skybox. So I am going to um, – I'm going to go off Skybox's line there. So that's dropped all the way to 14, which probably makes a difference in my pick. Um Mizzou has been in every game they played. You could make an argument they could have and should have beaten both Georgia and Auburn. They come up just short against Florida uh, two weeks ago as well. They, I think they're coming off a bye. I, I don't know. I want to pick Vandy because I want Vandy to be better. I like their coach. They play hard. I'm just going to roll with Vandy here because that's a lot of points to lay on Missouri. Uh, I hope it's at 14 and a half or 15 by the time it actually kicks off. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Vanderbilt here, but I, I don't feel very good about it because uh, after watching Vanderbilt at Georgia last week, and I know it's Georgia, it's just, it still was like, are they actually any better? Like, I, I don't know. So I'm going to go Vandy, but I don't love it. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't know what Vandy team you're going to get. I mean, you know, the, uh, but I, I'm going to go with Missouri. I just think that, uh, I mean, he, he needs time, and uh, hopefully he gets time. And, um, you know, uh, they, they've played some good games, and but I just think, I, I just think Missouri is a little bit better t- uh, club, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Missouri here. Skybox is on Vanderbilt as well. I'm surprised by that one too. So me and Skybox are on uh, Vanderbilt, and you are on Mizzou on that one. Let's go out of the SEC before we get to the finale with Ole Miss and LSU. TCU minus three and a half um, at home against Kansas State. This was like five and a half earlier in the week. It was five and a half in Neil's picks. I took him in, in Neil's picks. But I, uh, I I accidentally put the wrong score, so I don't really know what to, to do about that one. I, I picked the minus five and a half and then put a five-point score. So I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. TCU, Kansas State. Talk about another league that's pro, uh, produced some really good football this year is uh, the Big 12. It's been kind of awesome. They're pretty solid conference from the top down. It was a little uh, shocking to me. Kansas being good helps. But in uh, TCU, they got it going on. Sonny Dykes over there. And then Kansas State's been really good. They had a weird loss to Tulane, but they played pretty good football. Outside of that, I'm going to go TCU here. Uh, I just, I'm not going against Max Duggan. They played really well. It seems like they play almost every week at home. I don't know what who's doing their scheduling, but uh, this is going to be a good game. But I, I'm going to go TCU and we get them at three and a half here. So I'm definitely going TCU. Yeah. I mean, th- that TCU game in Oklahoma State was a really good game uh, last week. And uh, it seems like um, all, um, all Big 12 games go back and forth. You know, it seems like a, a whoever has the last possession. Usually wins the game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go with TCU too. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State uh, wins. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, you you look at TCU and after the big win last week, you you might see a little letdown. But um, you know, it's all about hiring the uh, hiring the right fit and the right coach for your uh, for your system. And I think Sonny Dykes is definitely the right fit and right situation for TCU. So uh, I, uh, let's roll with him. Let's go with TCU. He's uh he's got it going on over there. What a life for Sonny Dykes. He goes, uh, has some success at uh, SMU, then sells his house in Highland Park, I'd assume, and then gets to travel down I thirty, avoid all the traffic, and enjoy Fort Worth for a few years. So, dude's just got it going on over there. Skybox is on uh TCU as well. Now for the finale, it is Ole Miss LSU in Baton Rouge, two thirty kickoff. Ole Miss takes a seven and zero record. This is where you're going to learn a lot about this Ole Miss team this week. It is Ole Miss plus two and a half. This started out as Ole Miss a two-point favorite. It has now swung to LSU as a two-point favorite. Ole Miss is better than LSU. They are better offensively. I think they're better collectively, defensively, despite LSU having a better defensive line. Ole Miss has more depth, and Ole Miss has a better running game. But can Ole Miss keep it with its wits about itself in its first tough environment? Kind of weird. They're entering the fourth Saturday in October. I haven't played a true road game. This is going to be a character test as much as anything else. I will tentatively say Ole Miss passes it because I'm just going to go with the better team getting points here. I'm going to go with the Rebels to win the game outright. But, uh, again, this is one of those ones where, I mean, early turnover, get down 14-0 or something. How does this team react? But uh, here's the breaking news. Ole Miss needs to get out to a good start. If they can get up 7-0 early in the game, get a little bit settled in, I think they will play quite well and win this game going away. You just don't need to be chasing the game early. So that's been your hard-hitting analysis brought to you by Rippy Wright's podcast. I'm going Ole Miss. Where are you going here? I'm going to go with the Rebs, too. Um, I was trying to break down the analogy of uh, how Ole Miss is very similar to uh, a thoroughbred racehorse. So the thoroughbred racehorse, you know, he starts out the gate and he's running down and he's, 
you know, getting his stride, get doing good and just trying to get in, involved in the race. And then all of a sudden he looks over and he sees the, the people or get, get sidetracked. And then you give him a little, you know, give him a little whip and he's back on track. So I, I just think, you know, Ole Miss needs to stay on track. Sometimes they get a little sidetracked and, uh, you know, they've yet to put four quarters together. So who knows what this team can do whenever they put four quarters together. But I think they, um, you know, um, get in stride early and um, maybe get a little sidetracked, but they'll they'll win this game, I think. It's just, uh, like you were saying, a nice character builder and a, a nice character test um, being on the road. And they've got to go back-to-back on the road. And um, Texas A&M and LSU are, you know, two pretty tough spots to win on the road. But I like the character of the team. They're playing good. And, I, you know, the reference to um, – other pe- other coaches saying that Ole Miss is having fun. You know, they're playing good because they're, you know, having fun and they're loving it. I like that. I, I, and I think that you get a lot more out of the kids and out of the players um, whenever you have fun and you make it enjoyable. So, I think the Rebels win, and I think they win by double digits. Ooh, there we go. Skybox is on the Rebels as well. So, a clean sweep of Ole Miss in our picks to round out the college slate. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating one, and I'm looking forward to watching it for sure we're now going to go to the league where they play for pay skybox is dropping off because that you know their picks are behind a paywall for nfl sunday go sign up for a picks package today use the promo code rippy for 20 percent off i will give them the free picks uh, free plays for i forget skybox hands out two free plays for the people each week they're taking memphis plus seven at tulane on saturday and they're going with the oklahoma state texas over Oh, I missed that game. Sorry, we have one more to get to. I just absolutely killed the uh, the end of that college segment. I forgot about Oklahoma State and Texas. It is in Oklahoma. It is at Oklahoma State, and I believe Texas is favored by six and a half. Let me double check this one. Um, I want to make sure I have this correct, but it's in uh, Stillwater. And it is Texas. Yeah, Texas minus six. I'm thinking Oklahoma State. I think they're a good football team. They had a brutal. Uh, game a couple uh, last week in TCU where it felt like they were in control until they weren't losing in two overtimes. I'm going to go Oklahoma State to rebound. I really like Oklahoma State in this spot. Yeah, I really like that over too. But yeah, I like Oklahoma State too. They, I think they'll rebound at home. And you know, Texas uh, kind of struggled with Iowa State there a little bit, and uh, I, I like Oklahoma State a lot. Skybox is on Oklahoma State as well, so a clean sweep there to round it out. All right, now let's get to the league where they play. For pay, as the great Mike Francesco once said, it is. Let's start with in Dallas. Cowboys coming off a loss uh, on Sunday Night Football to the Eagles last week. They do get Dak Prescott back this week, I believe, and they are seven point favorites against the Detroit Lions in Dallas. Detroit coming off a bye. Detroit has officially descended, you know, after like two weeks, right? Because this team good. They got a pretty good offense. Their defense is absolutely horrendous. They're the classic bad team that's going to be entertaining to watch because they're going to be in most games because they can score. But the problem is they can't stop anybody. This is a weird line. This is – I would take Dallas in every other sense, but you got Dak Prescott back. And can't you just feel it now? Cooper Rush had a couple pretty good weeks. I think last week they probably determined, you know, there really is no quarterback controversy here. Cooper Rush was really bad in that Monday Sunday night football game. But can't you just see Dak coming back, struggling a little bit early, and then, you know, first take leads with, why don't they go back to Cooper Rush? And then we just have this nauseating sports conversation. So I'm going to take Detroit plus the seven points here. I don't think it's necessarily a smart play. It's a huge defensive mismatch. But Detroit coming off a bye, I'm going to take them one more time. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I like it. I mean, you know, Dak's first game back, I mean, you know, um, they said he was 
they could, he could have played against the Eagles, but they didn't want to take a chance. So, um, you know, give credit to Cooper Rush. I mean, I think he was what five and one as a starter. Yeah, five and one. I mean, um, I'm not sitting here trying to, you know, uh, get a um, quarterback controversy going in Dallas. Four and one. Sorry, but still, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a solid record. I mean, you know, for a guy that's been around the league, and you know, so I I, I think Dallas is decent. But you know, I agree with you that rust on Dak uh, for that first half might put him in a little spot. So I'm gonna take the points here. We got in Jacksonville next. We got uh, Jags and Giants. It's the two and four Jacksonville Jaguars, who I still think are a pretty good football team, but they blew that game in Indianapolis after two stinkers in a row last uh, the last two weeks. They did have a huge win at the LA Chargers a couple weeks for that. I can't figure this team out. This line makes no sense. It's Jacksonville minus three against the five and one New York Giants. I'm not necessarily sold on the fact that the New York Giants are good. I still don't love Daniel Jones. I think it's more coaching and game plan, getting Saquon Barkley involved. But this, to me, is two teams that are probably pretty even-footed, and one team knows how to win games, and other teams, the other team invents ways to lose it. I know when a line makes no sense, you take the side that makes no sense. So I would say Hammer Jacksonville here if you're listening. But I'm going to take the Giants. I, I don't understand why they're not favored in this game. Um, and, again, I just Jacksonville just doesn't really like finish games off very well. They don't know how to win. So I, I'm going to take the Giants here and just take the sucker play. Yeah, you would think it's just kind of the most vicious line ever, you know. And uh, Vegas is really, yeah, Vegas is really, really good at their job. So I never question Vegas, but I, I like the Giants here. I, I think this game should be a pick'em. You know, I, um, with that being said, I didn't expect anybody to you know be favored or you know in that game. I'm gonna take the points and just uh, hopefully we get a push with a field goal. If not, we get a uh, win with the field goal. Yeah, I mean, I think the play here, if you're actually playing this game, is just to take the Giants on the money line, is it not? Just take them to win the game outright is probably the way to go. Again, I guess we'll see. That's going to you know, that's gonna be 21-3 Jag 12 minutes in the game. It's like, damn, those guys in the desert maybe know what they're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't understand that line. Let's go to a AFC South matchup. My Tennessee Titans coming off a bye. They've won three games in a row after starting 0-2. And the Indianapolis Colts are somehow 3-2 and one they had the tie week one against the houston texans they've somehow scrapped out three wins against the jags the chiefs and the broncos um i don't really understand it matt ryan was unbelievable last week he threw it like did you see his stat line he threw the ball in that comeback win over the jags i want to make sure i have this right he threw it 50 something times last week yeah 32 of 50 for uh, a touchdown, 352 yards and a pick. Matt Ryan basically carried them to a win last week. I, I don't really understand how. I thought he was pretty much toast. With that said, I'm taking the Titans off a bye. I think they're the better football team. I don't really understand the Colts, but this would also be a classic game where the Titans, they win it. They got a nice little lead in the AFC South, and it's like, oh, great. You just lost to the Colts at home. Congrats on being a Titans fan. I'm going to take the Titans minus two and a half, though, and I use my first lock of the week. I think they win this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Colts here I, just for some strange reason after you uh, threw out those Matt Ryan stats. that was That's it's pretty impressive. Uh, he was I, unbelievable um, last week. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, and Jonathan Taylor comes back. I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor, but he needs to get back on track because he was my keeper. And, uh, you know, whenever you have a keeper league, you want your keeper to be really, really, really good. And he's been really, really, really bad. So, Hopefully, Jonathan Taylor gets back on track, and um, I can see uh, Indianapolis winning this game by field goal. So, uh, it's it's a to it's a coin flip. Should be a really good game, but I think three points determines this game. 
Here's a dicey one. We got uh, Bengals and Falcons. It is in Cincinnati. Bengals go and get a road win last week that they really needed at the Saints. We'll get to your New Orleans Saints in a second. Ugh. Um, yeah. Coming off the heels of that Thursday night game as we record this on a Friday morning. It is the Bengals minus six and a half against the plucky Atlanta Falcons. Falcons had some injuries. Um, you know, they lose Cordero Patterson, but they're three and three. They took it to the San Francisco 49ers last week at home. I was surprised by that one for sure. I just don't trust the I, I don't trust the Bengals enough to take this at six and a half. I'm gonna go with the Atlanta Falcons plus six and a half. I, I think they're actually a pretty decent football team. The Bengals make way too many mistakes. They get behind early in games. I'm going to take the Falcons here and use another lock. I really like that line. I think the Bengals probably win a close one, but that's just way too many points for me. Yeah, I'm going to lock it with you. I'm going to lock the Falcons. I think they are 6-0 and against the spread this year. Yeah, they are. There, there we go. That's a good stat. I saw that earlier in the week. That's a uh, great teams win. Uh, good teams win. Great teams cover. So, Super Bowl champs, Falcons. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, I just think it's a field goal game. I mean, you know, I, I think the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons are, you know, surprisingly decent, you know, and if a team's cover spreads, then you, you you need to get on that train and start betting them. So I'm on the train. I'm going to take Atlanta. Okay. We, uh, I like Atlanta as well. Probably a little too much there. Uh, here's a doozy of a game. We got the Washington commanders also known as the commies. They are at home against the green Bay Packers who just got punked in Lambeau by the New York jets a week after going to London and losing to the Giants. When is the last time an NFL team has lost to the Jets and Giants, one in the same season, let alone back-to-back weeks? Uh, it's not going well in Green Bay. The receivers stink. I read a really interesting – I think it was from the Ringer piece earlier this week. You know, you talk all about, uh, like, the young receivers of the Packers not figuring out. This laid out the argument that Aaron Rodgers has been terrible. Like, it, it's not – the argument I read in this kind of analytical piece – was the fact that it's not actually the receivers. Most of the time, Aaron Rodgers has just been pretty bad. And it convinced me because he's one of my fantasy quarterbacks. And uh, guess what? Not going well. Not going well over here for uh, one of the Rippy uh, fantasy teams. So this is the Packers minus four and a half. Now, there's no Carson Wentz. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We're going to get the Taylor <laughs> Heineke experience this week. I like Taylor Heineke. He's one of my favorite kind of – he's like my favorite kind of backup quarterback. He's like fearless. He's frisky. He does dumb things. He runs around a lot. I like Heineke. I don't think he's a starting quarterback, even though there was a time in 2020 where it's like, is this guy actually pretty good? Like, could he start somewhere? I don't think that's the case, but he's a good backup. This is a disgusting stay away of all stay aways, but I'm just not taking the Packers against anyone, particularly not favored on the road. I, I get it. Co commanders, no real home field advantage. Terrible owner, just a rotten franchise, but I'm going to go with Heineke and the commies here. I, I just, I, I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers as a four and a half point favorite on the road against anybody. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'll take the home dog. I mean, you know, it's just uh, kind of a head scratcher what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, it seems like he wants to be the host of Jeopardy. So uh, let him be the host of Jeopardy and let him retire and let him ride off to the sunset. But, man, it's, uh, I mean, who would have, I mean, Aaron Rodgers' career might have been totally different if he had, you know, Devontae Adams all year and maybe another, you know, solid two or, you know, receiver, another good tight end because, man, he's a pretty decent little quarterback, but I'm going to go with the with the commies here. We're like two more weeks away from getting the gigantic ESPN piece about Aaron Rodgers falling off the cliff, about how he has so many other interests outside of football. You heard that local ESPN radio guy in Milwaukee report that people think he's going to retire after the year. I think everyone kind of took that for a grain of salt. Again, no offense to radio guys, but anytime they're breaking news, it's like, eh, what does this guy actually know? 
Um, but anyway, that's something to keep an eye on. So we're both going with the commies there. Uh, let's go Browns Ravens, a little AFC North action. It is in Cleveland. The Browns are like pretty good. They play decent defense. They run the ball well, but they, they, they kind of, you know, gave away that chargers game two weeks ago and then really just let the new England Patriots run all over them last week. And they're two and four and uh, really in danger of going two and five. They really need this game. They're trying to survive till Watson gets back week 13 or week 12, whatever that is, 11 game suspension with the bye week mixed in. They need this game. I'm not sure they get it. It is Ravens minus six and a half at home. Ravens haven't been a very good home team. They kind of had that nice stand and beat the uh, Bengals on Sunday Night Football two weeks ago, but then they blow a game against the Giants last week where they were in control for much of the game. Lamar had a terrible interception late in that game. I'm going to go with the Browns plus six and a half here. I'm going to take the points. I'm not sure they win this game, but I, I just don't trust Baltimore. You know, that those jerseys confuse you. That defense is not actually very good. And uh, Lamar's not been great the last couple weeks. So I'm going to go with the Browns here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I like uh, taking points in these uh, these games, and especially like a home dog. So let's uh, let's take the underdog and see if it's a field goal game. Jets Broncos to start off the late slate. Broncos, this is a disgusting one too. The New York Jets four and two. They play really good defense. Zach Wilson wasn't very good last week, but it didn't seem to matter how, because of how well that defense played. Again, it could be the Packers just being terrible. But I mean, that's one of those things the Jets fans have had such little to cheer about for the you know pretty much all of their existence, but definitely the last five years. They're four and two, and like I mean, when's the last time they got a win in Lambeau Field? That's one of those ones you just you. You take the novelty of it. Of this is kind of awesome. It doesn't happen often. They're four and two. They're traveling to Denver to play the Broncos, who are just having the year from hell. You know, they finally play a little bit better. Russell Wilson looked a little bit better on Monday Night Football, but still just couldn't find a way to score enough points to win that game at the end and let the Chargers sneak away with the victory. There, it is. New York Jets minus one. This stinks to high heaven, but I'm going to take the four and two Jets. I'm just not putting any money on the Broncos. They're annoying to watch. The offense is absolutely horrendous. I guess Russell Wilson's hurt. It makes no sense that he would just be this bad, this young in his career. I mean, what, he's only like 32, 33. I just don't really get it. So I'm taking the Jets. The Jets are 3-0 and on the road this year, too. Uh, so I'm taking the New York Jets here just because I, I just don't want to – one, I don't want to watch the Broncos, and I certainly don't want to put my cold, hard-earned cash on them. Yeah, I agree with you on that, um, and especially whenever I think uh, Russell Wilson said he has Wolverine blood, so he recovers real quickly. Um, whatever kind of quote that is, but uh, yeah, who knows like what that play. means? Nothing he, he could say anything, and it wouldn't surprise me at this point. It also yeah, I mean, doesn't like him anymore. I mean, who 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 wants to eat a sandwich named what is it called? Dan- Danger Witch. Danger, Danger Witch? I haven't seen the sandwich. What is this? Danger Witch? That would that would be classic. Danger, Danger Witch. Uh, well, I mean, wait, what's the – I thought there was a Subway commercial that um, – have you ever done anything dangerous? That commercial where they remake it and everything? I'm pretty sure it's a Subway commercial. It's a Danger it's Rush a- Subway sandwich. Um, Danger Witch, though, is this, what's the sandwich is called. So you were dead on on that. We got IT on it. I Googled Russell Wilson sandwich, <laughs> and uh, we got to the bottom of that quickly. What a guy. Oh, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll have fun with those. It's it's really funny because a lot of people, you know, dialogue with the with the, the commercial. But yeah, man, I uh Wolverine Blood, Sandwich Danger Witch, whatever. I, I think Russell Wilson is is terrible. And I, I I I wouldn't bet on him ever again. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the uh with the Jets here, right? 
yeah, the uh, the <laughs> subway just you know they had the uh, they had the unfortunate deal where their uh, longtime guy Jared ended up being a uh, sexual predator, which never great. And they're like, you know what? Let's pivot to Russell Wilson. That'll be good marketing. Uh, so I don't really understand that move. Would love to get the head of Subway on to explain. Uh, that one head of marketing for Subway, probably not coming on this podcast, but uh, if you're out there listening, can we talk? Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Broncos guy. We're going to the Jets here. Uh, Raiders and Texans in Las Vegas. Raiders coming off a of bye. The Raiders are one and four, but I think they're like good. I don't know how that makes any sense, but they have great playmakers on offense. The defense isn't great, but it's not bad enough to be one and four. They've just given away a bunch of games. It is Raiders minus seven. I'm officially off the Texans thing. I think they're frisky um, to some degree, but they clearly just don't know how to win games. They don't have enough talent. And the Raiders really need this one. This is a lot of points to swallow, but I'm just going to take Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm going to lock it. Well, I'll, I'll lock it with Las Vegas. Why not? I just, uh, you know, Las Vegas is a decent little team, and they've, you know, been in every single game, it seems like. But uh, I think this is a good game for them, and I think they win by two touchdowns. Here's a fascinating one in the uh, primetime game in the late slate. We've got San Francisco 49ers coming off a bad loss against the Atlanta Falcons at home. They are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, why is this interesting? Well, 49ers are 3-3. Three and three. Last night, while many of you maybe are in bed already, the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I have no idea if he plays this week, but what a fascinating trade. They didn't actually have to give up a first-round pick. They gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth scattered over the next like three years for Christian McCaffrey. So that, if nothing else, I don't know what difference it makes. Like, I'd like to see it first, uh, but that's going to be a fascinating kind of change to the calculus there in the NFC as the Panthers are having a full-on fire sale. So Christian McCaffrey, I, I would, I don't know this. I, I can't find a concrete answer looking it up. I would doubt he plays this week, right? There's no way he goes to San Francisco on a Friday oh. and plays on Sunday. But with that said, Robbie Anderson got traded from the Panthers because he got in an argument with the coach to the Cardinals last week, and he played in the Thursday night game. He didn't do a ton, but he got out there. So I, I don't know what to make of this. It is San Francisco plus two at home. Matt, I'll let you go first. Make of this what you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take San Francisco at home. I, um, man, I, I think that once that Shanahan gets Christian McCaffrey and he's got Debo, I mean, like, that that might be a little fun, you know, offense to watch and get creative with it. Um, I, I'm I'm just gonna go San Francisco. I don't know why I just took it. Okay, so I, I'm I would actually kind of I don't want to say like San Francisco. I'd like them in a strange spot, even if they didn't have the trade in McCaffrey. They really need this game. They've been pretty good at home, and they can kind of do the ball control thing. Keep the uh, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. So I might have actually liked him without it. So whatever, I'll just take uh, San Francisco here as a. Uh, as a fantasy owner of Christian McCaffrey, I uh, clearly certainly hope he plays and that changes uh, his production because it hasn't been great this year. Chiefs coming off a loss, tough home loss to the Bills. I think the Bills just proved they're a more complete football team. They need this game, clearly, but I'm just going to take San Francisco here. But that's going to be one to watch uh, over the next uh, 48 hours to see if the line moves and kind of what you get from McCaffrey there. But, man, you imagine two weeks in – Christian McCaffrey and those outside zone concepts for the not 49ers. I feel like if anyone can make – uh, white running back just awesome it'll be Kyle Shanahan Christian McCaffrey wildly talented I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like but uh that's going to be an interesting one um let's go Chargers Seahawks here this will round out the late slate here Chargers minus five at home against Geno Smith and the three and three Seattle Seahawks Geno Smith uh defensive struggle a little bit last week but they beat 
the uh, Arizona Cardinals at home. We thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the NFL in the running for the worst team. That's just not the case. They're not very good on defense. They have some younger players that are getting better. And this is a full-on Geno Smith revival. He's been like a top-two quarterback in the NFC. And if you watch their games, it's not fake. Like, he's actually really, really good. And it's kind of hilarious to think about this now from the vantage point of the Russell Wilson trade. They, like, upgraded at quarterback. Like, they they, they, they gave away – they got all that haul for get, uh, for trading away Russell Wilson, and they're having better quarterback play than they got a year ago. I, I don't know what that means. I'm not about to tell you Geno Smith is better than Russell Wilson, but – if you're the Seahawks GM, aren't you just sitting up in your office every day cracking up? They fleeced them on this trade. Yeah, I mean, what they got a couple first rounders or like what 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 was that package? It was two or three first rounders, Drew Locke, who's their backup, and then tight end Noah Fant. But I mean, ah. you could have given them away for one first round pick and like a ham sandwich, and it would have looked better at this point. You know what I mean? For like, sure. and then you look at Christian McCaffrey trade, and they didn't give up any first rounders. So, um. Yeah, it, it seems like there's some franchises that are willing to part ways with a superstar just to uh, part ways with them. Uh, it, I, man, wow! Uh, I like Seattle here for some strange reason. I mean, I, I'm I'm on the Geno Smith train. I'm with you. I'm locking it. I'm using it in my third lock there. I just don't trust. I think LA has one of the most talented teams in football. Justin Herbert is awesome. He's so much fun to watch. But I just hate the way that team's coached. Like they suck defensively, despite having every guy you, you that you, they call on the broadcast for the uh, Chargers defense. You've heard of him. You're like, damn, he was awesome in college. They have so many great, like great players and great talent. But the scheme is really bad. I don't like the Brandon Staley going forward on fourth down. I don't really understand like what he, what, what he, what's going into that one. I get it. He's a slave to the analytics, but sometimes it's just like, do the analytics even say you should go for it here? I don't get it. I do not trust the Chargers here, so I'm taking Seattle plus five. I think it should be a field goal game. I should. I think it's going to be a really good game, honestly. Well, here's what's not a really good game. Sunday night football, Dolphins-Steelers. We're going to get Tua back after missing a couple weeks with – sounds like multiple concussions, but uh, whatever. That, that content's been well played out. It is the Dolphins minus seven. The Steelers last week – how about this? Double-digit underdogs at home, and they go and beat Tom Brady and the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Mike Tomlin, man. This team has no talent. They lost TJ Watt for the year. He's dealing with Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, who came in off the bench for an injured Kenny Pickett and somehow looked awesome in the second half of that game last week. He, they don't really have any like a great offensive line. The running game's not great. Yet they're two and four when you thought that this is definitely the least talented team in the NFL. Tom was just a really damn good coach. I don't know what to make of this because you get Tua back and like the Tua looked really, really good for the couple weeks he played with all those weapons in that offense. I, I'm gonna go Dolphins here just because you know fully healthy uh, Miami, like probably a little overvalued uh, the Steelers are after a win like that last week, and it's gonna be like, why did I bet on the Steelers here? They can't do anything offensively, and the Dolphins are 14 nothing halfway through the first quarter. So I'm gonna go Dolphins here and go against the grain. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Steelers just because uh, I mean, like last week, uh, that's a lot of character showing, and when you're double digit underdogs at at home, and especially after the the thrashing that they got against the Bills, I mean, that was a a pretty bad beatdown. So, um, just shows you the character of the professional NFL athlete. So, uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the character of the NFL athlete and uh, a good coach with Tomlin. So, I'm gonna go with the Steelers for some odd and strange reason. Tough week for the primetime games because on Monday Night Football, we get Patriots-Bears. Patriots, pretty good. Bailey Zappi, uh, backup quarterback, coming in for Matt Jones. 
uh, Western Kentucky guy. He's been kind of awesome uh, since they come back. I think the Pats are good. This is an easy one for me. I'm going to use my fourth lock on this, but it is Patriots minus seven and a half. Belichick against a second-year quarterback with no offensive line is just a really tough place to be. I feel bad for Justin Fields. There's been a lot of conversation about, did they make the right pick? Should they actually build around him? Well, could you start trying to build around him? Like, the, he's got nothing to work with. I don't think Fields has been as bad as other people have said. Maybe I just don't know football. I don't know, but uh, I'm hammering the Patriots here and taking the lock. This this is too easy. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots, too. I'll lock it up with you because it just – yeah, I mean, it's just you, you draft these quarterbacks and you and you trade up and, you know, you get the guy that you want and then you just assume that he's going to be able to, you know, uh, make wide receivers better, make run, uh, running backs better. You have to build, you know, you have to build around them if you're going to trade up and draft them. So, with that being said, the Bears really haven't done that. So, I just think this is just a typical 21 to 10 game, you know, something like that. Yeah, for sure. I think the Pats are a playoff team. They play really good defense, too. This has been week eight of Fresh Cuts, I think. Yeah, week eight. So this uh, flies by. I appreciate the time. As always, go check them out. LB's University Avenue in Oxford. You'll be happy you did. I appreciate the time, my man, and uh, we'll holler at you again next week. As always, till next week. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you making this podcast a part of your day. Safe travels if you're heading down to Baton Rouge or whatever you're doing this weekend. Have a safe and happy weekend, and Weldon and I will be back on Sunday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.